Hey folks, Adam McDaniel here welcoming you back to Apex Mind. Our mission here is to cut through all of the proprietary systems and gatekeeping that the learning and development industry is known for. I've worked in this industry for more than 13 years, and I've noticed that too many learning professionals are just speaking in a silo to themselves. Today, everybody has to be good at training and learning to succeed. It's my goal to help you to get there. I want to help you to get better at making other people better. In today's episode, we're going to talk about gamification. This is going to be a good one. Gamification is both a very useful tool and something that is misused more than it's used properly. We're going to talk about the effective use of gamification and how you can use it to motivate and encourage both your employees and your customers. So for anyone out there that maybe doesn't know this, Gamification is the use of game design elements and game principles in non-game contexts. This is not something that's unique to learning and training. Gamification is used everywhere. And my guess is you've probably seen it used many places and many places you've probably seen it used not so effectively. My earliest memory of gamification was back when I was very young I had a Nintendo Entertainment System, the very first generation of that, and I had a Miracle Piano System. For anyone who doesn't remember what the Miracle Piano is, it's essentially a keyboard that hooked up to your Nintendo, and people later modified it to hook up to PCs as well. But it was originally designed to work with the Nintendo NES system, and there was games on it to help teach you piano. So essentially, these, these games were teaching you something that's non-gaming, right? A piano skill. And it there was lots of different games on it. One I specifically remember was called Roboman, where you had this little robot that looked kind of like Johnny Five. And it you would time, kind of like later on, you would see this kind of thing in like Guitar Hero and similar games, where you would time your your certain presses of the keys and the little robot guy would would either jump over pits or he would raise his head to hit something. And it was teaching you the timing of music in a, in a gaming context. And so that, that was the earliest that I remember it. But, but these days, gamification is everywhere. One modern gamified application to teach you things that I think a lot of people are familiar with that does it very, very well is Duolingo. If you've never used Duolingo, it's a free app that is available on Apple and Android that teaches you languages in a gamified context, and it does it very, very well. There are groups that you can join that have leaderboards. You have that gaming competition element. In fact, there's typically short-term challenges where the more you play or the more challenges that you pass, you can rise up the leaderboards. You can level up. So within certain skills, maybe you're learning grammar or you're learning how to mention uh, animals or whatever in in this different language, you can go from like the, the 100 level to the 200 level and so on. And the more you get right or the better you do within a lesson, you can get scored on a, you know, a three point scale to, to give you points or, or various uh, rewards for doing that. Also, there are streaks, so they they give you rewards for 
doing your lessons for your language multiple days in a row and different categories you can go in. Duolingo is really awesome. I, I've done multiple languages in there. I, I've gone very far within Spanish, which was something that I remember going through in high school in a very non-gamified function, a traditional learning function. I've also done German and Japanese. And, you know, it, it's it's a great app that adds those gaming elements to help learning a new language and, and make it fun. Some non-gaming apps that you may be familiar with that use gamification elements. Um, one is Waze. And Waze, um, there's a couple of things that Waze does that's gamified. One, you have the narrative. If you've been using Waze for a long time, you probably don't remember this. But when you first download Waze, there's there's a narrative with it. There's There's a mission that you're going to, and you're trying to help the world by working together to fight back this evil villain known as Traffic. And Waze helps you to do that. Also, there's some community elements to Waze. You can see other users of it as you're driving by on the road, and you can send them little notifications on their app as well. Um, another app that uses gamification well is Foursquare. Um, Foursquare got very famous early on because if you were the person who checked in the most at a certain place, you could become the mayor of that place. And so I, I remember I used to go to this gym a long time ago and there was a member of the gym and he was the guy who checked in there the most and he was the mayor of the gym. Also, there's there's a number of fitness apps that use gamification really well, Fitbit, Strava, and many others. It's similar elements that we've seen about the community aspect. You can connect with people. There are challenges that you can complete. There are groups you can join. And so th there are a lot of gaming elements that help to keep that, that fitness goal that you have and, and make it tied to a game to make you more motivated to complete it. So my big experience with gamification, you know, I worked on a new to role program where I got a chance to incorporate gamification very heavily into the design, the specific things that, that we did. So this was a technical role and it was designed around kind of a detective theme. And that's one of the gamification elements is having a narrative or a theme to something we all, as humans, love stories. We all love going through something that has a good story that we can take part in. And so this detective theme had squads that you can join, meaning they were groups that can compete against each other. So you had that challenge element, and you also had that community element of being in a squad with other folks that you can work with. There are missions that you can complete. And those missions all kind of felt that same theme. This was tied into the job. So this was a technical role where you had to understand situations and narrow down possible causes. And so tying that detective theme into that, where you had to use deductive reasoning and narrow those things down, some of these had time challenges or multiple suspects that you had to go through. Um, all those things kept people motivated and they added into some of the other things we've talked about on some other episodes. The gamification elements really kept people engaged and helped to counterbalance some of the challenge that we added in. For gamification, there's a lot of different things that you can look at. So I'm going to focus specifically on just one theory of gamification. And I'm going to go based on um, someone, his name is Yukai Cho, and he developed Octalysis Gamification. You can look him up uh, on the internet. You can read his book, which is Actionable Gamification. He's done a 
TED Talk that you can go watch, and I'll include that in the show notes if you'd like to watch that on YouTube. But Octalysis is a scientifically designed gamification model, and it specifically, like the name implies, has eight different elements. And one of the things that that I've always liked about Octalysis versus some of the other gamification models is the fact that it involves both your left brain and your right brain. So you have the creative elements as well as the logical elements, and it involves both white hat and black hat. And if you're not familiar with those terms, white hat generally, it refers to something that's positive or a positive motivator. And black hat refers to things that are negative motivators. And so white hat's generally going to you know, encourage you to do something. And black hat's going to encourage you to not do something. One thing that's exciting is once we get some interviews coming very soon in the future, Yukai will be one of our interview guests. So I don't want to get too much into this because I, I will have him on here talking to you directly about Octalysis and his experience with gamification, not just in training, but just in workplace design. But we're going to give a little preview of it because I think this is a good model to look at whether you're using it for training or you're using it for workplace design or anything else. Um, there's some really good elements of this. So we're going to go through the pieces of Octalysis and some examples. So we're going to look at uh, Octalysis, the, the different elements of it, all eight of those, and some examples of how you can use each one. So the first of the eight elements is epic meaning and calling. And what that refers to from a gaming standpoint is that people tend to be motivated because they believe they're doing something greater than themselves. A, a narrative, it creates excitement, it creates motivation. If there's an adventure or a quest involved in that narrative, it makes people want to get involved. And so you think of narratives outside of the gaming world, and one of those I gave the example of is Waze. Waze gives you the narrative that you are working together with all the other users to help defeat the evil monster of traffic. And so you're working together for that. And people who have used Waze versus other navigation programs know that it sometimes it provides some very interesting paths. I've had ways that takes me through some some back neighborhoods or it takes me through some industrial areas because that's the better route to take versus the main streets. And so that narrative helps fuel you towards continuing to use that application instead of Google Maps or Apple Maps. The next one would be uh, another example of epic meeting and calling is called Humanity Hero. And so if you're a humanity hero, you're incorporating some sort of world mission by tying the system to a cause. And, you know, there's lots of causes that people care about today. And depending on what kind of business you do and how you can tie the training for that, if you're in the financial industry, you can tie it to helping people to build up their financial futures and help people to build their lives. And that could be the humanity hero. If you're in something, some kind of industry where the environment or something of that nature is tied in, you can tie in the work that people are doing to helping out the world. Putting that in there, especially for our younger generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs, people care about something that has a cause that they can contribute towards. And so whenever you can design the training or the workplace towards something of that nature, people care a little bit more about that than just doing the tasks of their job. 
The second of the octalysis principles is development and accomplishment. So for development and accomplishment, you got to think about the fact that people tend to be driven internally towards making progress, towards developing skills, achieving mastery, overcoming challenges. This core drive, it can help people to help focus on maybe attaining a goal. It can help people to motivate to get it better. And it can allow people to reflect on how far they've come from their past state and how far they've grown from from where they were before. This can also be tied into some sort of win state. So in games, you want to win. You either want to you know, finish the game or maybe you want to get to that next level. But in a job, you know, there, there are career advancements. You can get your title changed or you can get a pay raise. But those aren't the only ways to advance. You can gain new skills. You can solve a specific problem or release a specific project. And those can be win states as well. You know, every human's brain has a natural desire to achieve goals and to experience growth. So however we can utilize that to help motivate people at work, for a lot of people, their work can be somewhat drudgery. It it may not be very motivating to them. So when there's something that they're trying to achieve, trying to work towards, that is a really big deal. One of the examples of how you utilize the development and accomplishment aspect of gamification is what's called the rock star effect. So when you have the rock star effect, you know, you think about it in a video game, anytime you feel like a rock star, um, other users love to interact with you. You want to feel like you've earned your way into being a rock star in games. Sometimes you can earn that certain crown or that achievement. Maybe you've been in first place or you have some kind of streak. Anytime we can utilize that at work, we can recognize the people that are doing really well. Um, That person in training that is maybe they're getting high scores on an assessment or they're doing well in some sort of customer interactions, recognize that for them and help them to be the rock star for everyone else. And not only will that reinforce the behavior for them where they're going to continue to want to do well. But it's going to have everybody else want to be like them, just like the name of this Rockstar Effect. Everyone wants to be like the Rockstar. Another example of this is badges, leaderboards, and points. Those can be used really well. If if you can find a way to have people earn points for achieving certain things, which makes them rank on a leaderboard, maybe they earn badges for achieving certain things. Those things can be used really, really well, and they also fall under this development and accomplishment pillar. Be careful about those. Don't just integrate them for the sake of it. If the points and the leaderboard and the badges don't mean anything, people will eventually learn that it doesn't matter and they're going to lose faith in the system. So make sure you tie those to something when you use them. All right, third up for our Octelysis gamification elements is called empowerment of creativity and feedback. This one's big. So when we talk about creativity and feedback, what that means is we want to allow end users to be engaged in the process. We want them to have input and we want them to be able to see their results so that they can adjust. So if you think back to when you were really young and when you played, 
most likely you were very creative with that. I'm old enough to have grown up in the era before the internet. And when when I was a kid, we would just go outside and we would make up games. You know, we would have Legos or whatever the generic offshoot of Legos is. And we wouldn't have these things that that we have today where it's a very specific Star Wars vehicle. We would get a bucket of generic Legos and we would have to build them into something. And if you look at a lot of games these days that have started to gain in popularity recently, Minecraft, for example. That's another one where kids have open-ended creativity. It's not this very specific linear path. They can build whatever they want. And if you're not familiar with Minecraft or not looked at it, some of the users of that game have built some amazing things. And we all have that within us to provide feedback into a system. We all want to be involved. And unfortunately, whether it be tied to the, the training at our job or just our jobs in general, a lot of us don't get that that level of input. We're, we're instructed to do things and we have to follow things on a specific path. You really want to make sure there's not one standard way to win, so to speak. There can't just be one path to do well. Whether this is training or the job, you're going to have different people that have different personality types and different work types. So ideally, you want people to have multiple ways to do things, either multiple resources to access, multiple ways to complete a process. Whatever that is, you want people to have some some creativity and some flexibility, some autonomy to be able to do that their way rather than the company's way. We want people to have meaningful choices so they can they can utilize drastically different ways to better express their creativity. Some specific ways you can incorporate the empowerment of creativity and feedback. First one is called boosters. And this is, you know, if you think about in a video game, boosters provide you an added benefit. So like uh, in Mario Brothers is very popular where you can get the flower gives you the fireball so that you can shoot or different versions of Mario Brothers. You have the my favorite, which was an obscure one, was in, I believe, Mario 3 where you got in a little, the little shoe, you get in this little shoe and you can jump real high and you can squish the guys. It wasn't a very common power up, but it was always fun because it was different. And there was another one that was somewhat uncommon where you can turn into a stone statue. Um, so Mario does those power ups very, very well. Um, if you take it away from the video game element to, um, your job, maybe someone, you know, achieves certain metrics or they're doing well in training, they're, they're doing well on certain assessments or skill tests, and they get the chance to, maybe they get an extra break, or maybe they get to choose what the topics are the next day, or something where they get a bonus for having achieved well in the past. Another example of that empowerment of creativity and feedback is called Milestone Unlock. And so what Milestone Unlock is, is a bonus that's received upon uh, completing certain milestones or achievements. And this can be a badge. This can be some sort of access to something. Maybe people that achieve certain things get access to a certain resource, or they get access to being able to help others, um, which we'll talk about how helping others can be another gamification element later on. Milestone unlocks get used in game, games all the time. You achieve certain things and you get a certain section of the map. Um, but when you're talking about at work, folks could get the access to 
special abilities or special privileges, special assignments because they've achieved certain things. Our next gamification element is called ownership and possession. So when you talk about ownership and possession, that means that the end users feel like they own and control something. And it really drives motivation because everybody has feelings of ownership. And when they have ownership of something, they tend to desire to improve, to protect, and to obtain more of that thing. This is really driving to collecting and accumulating things. It can be connected to how we all tend to, when we spend time and resources on things, it, we tend to like it more. When we talk about ownership and possession, you know, you look at a game, once you've gotten that special weapon for that character or that special outfit for that character, you're more invested into that character. And we look at a ton of these games, whether it be Minecraft or Fortnite or any of these others, once you've customized it, you have that ownership. And we look at this newer elements of the metaverse, and there are people that are buying virtual real estate and virtual outfits and all these things, and it gets you more bought into it. Um, when we talk about gamification at work, we can look at um, a couple of ways to integrate this. So one would be called build from scratch. And this is where you allow users to build something early on from scratch. It could be them building an activity. Maybe they're building how we are going to approach learning a certain topic. They can choose the order of, of topics. Earlier on in, in this podcast, we talked about autonomy and context and choice. And this really ties into those where people get to choose and have ownership over things. Maybe they can build their own teams. They can choose the name of their team. And, and that kind of thing gets people more bought into it. I used to do this all the time back when I was a trainer and people would get very invested when they came up with their team name and you can even go farther and they have a team symbol or a team chant if that's appropriate for your workplace. And those kind of things really get people more bought in. Another way to do ownership and possession in the gaming world is called collection sets. You can have people complete certain challenges and if they do certain challenges, they've now finished that set. Our next item is called social influence and relatedness. This is a big one that talks about mentorship, social acceptance, social feedback, companionship, and competition even. And so all those things are really big. Likely you have people who have different skill sets from each other. And if you open up that community that we already talked about, people can mentor each other because some people might have more skills in one area than another. So if you start fostering that, you can not only be that mentor to them, but they can be mentors to each other as well. Next up is scarcity and impatience. And with scarcity and patience, that's things that are rare or exclusive, immediately unobtainable. Um, this gets people to act immediately because they're afraid of losing that thing. Depending on your context of your training, if you're training at a business, you really don't want to lock people out of things. You can offer open training hours outside of the standard training hours that are only available Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And if people want it, they have to sign up at that time. If it's available too much, they may not value it quite as much. Next up is unpredictability and curiosity. And so this is uh, in, in a game where things are unexpected and you're interested to find out what's next. I always think about in Mario Kart, how you, you get those 
um, the prize boxes and you don't really know what you're going to get. Generally, if you're farther up in the race, you're going to get something worse. And if you're farther back in the race, you're going to get something better. But you can do mystery boxes in training as well. Um, you can give people different challenges to complete. You know, maybe you're offering people training via Slack or Microsoft Teams and you're giving them little micro trainings and quizzes and you don't necessarily give rewards every time anybody answers something, but every once in a while you give a reward and that reward is random, but it still gives people enough incentive to help answer those quizzes and take part in that training. Our last one is loss and avoidance. So for loss and avoidance, people tend to want to avoid negative things. They don't want to lose things. They don't want to have penalties. This generally motivates people through the fear of losing something or they don't want something undesirable to happen. Um, if people complete their training requirements, each week they complete them, that streak builds up. And if they happen to miss it one week, their streak ends. And that could be tied to some sort of reward or some sort of leaderboard. But it, you know, people don't want to lose if they have that six-week streak. They don't want it to reset back down to zero because that's a penalty. So you can definitely use that loss and avoidance to keep people going in a good way or to avoid bad behaviors. When we look at these, um, there, there's definitely a lot to balance here. And we're going to get into it more when Yukai comes on the show. But these, these uh, elements of octalysis are broken up into right brain or creative types of core drives. And that would be things like the empowerment of creativity and feedback, the social influence, and the unpredictability and curiosity. Those are more creative core drives. And then we also have the left brain core drives, which are development and accomplishment, ownership and possession, and scarcity and impatience. Those are more of the logical core drives. Um, and one isn't necessarily better than the other. You want to balance those to ensure that you're hitting people's emotional drives and their logical drives. In addition, you have the white hat or positive motivators and the black hat or negative motivators. So the white hat core drives, epic meaning and calling, that's always a positive thing, um, development and accomplishment, and empowerment of creativity and feedback. Those are all um, white hat core drives that help people to feel satisfied, they feel power, um, folks that, that go for these core drives, they get well-being and satisfaction from them. And then on the black hat or negative motivator side, you have scarcity and impatience, unpredictability and curiosity and loss and avoidance. So folks, that's it for this episode. Let's recap what we discussed about gamification today. So first of all, it's, gamification is a great tool for motivation and social involvement. We want to be cautious about using basic gaming function. So those are things like points, badges, and leaderboards, and just throwing in a game and a quiz without incorporating some of these more intelligent functions. Also with uh, gamification, we want to balance things between the right brain or the creative items and the left brain or the logical items. And then lastly, we want to ba balance between positive motivators, which we want to use more of, and then just putting in those negative motivators or black hat motivators when, when it makes sense in order to nudge people in the right direction. Remember, everybody, we have new episodes launch every Monday and Friday. If you want to connect and keep these conversations going, I tend to be most active on Twitter and LinkedIn. 
So you can connect with me on Twitter at ApexMindAdam and at LinkedIn at Adam-McDaniel. And thank you for listening today. I'm going to ask you the same three favors I do every episode. First and most importantly, please implement something you learned today. Talk about it with others. Take some notes, journal, and and find a way to incorporate that in your day-to-day. Or just find one of these gamification skills and a way that you can incorporate it today or tomorrow so you can test it and see if it works. Second, I'd like you to tell two people about Apex Mind. If you can recommend this podcast to some folks that you know would benefit from it, then we'll, we'll be able to share with them some good, good skills for training better. And last, if you enjoyed what you heard today, consider giving us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. Doing this will help us to reach more people. All right, everybody, go and help someone to be better than they were yesterday. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. 